Right now on Matter of Fact, as America raced toward the election, the pandemic never slowed down. I have like a lot of fears, my husband and myself, my kids. Now the daily toll on families across the country is no longer up for debate. I lost the breadwinner for my family. I lost my protector. I lost a big part of me. The impact of COVID-19 in our communities and on the front lines. My eight-year-old started crying. I don't want you to have coronavirus. Plus, mounting job losses are creating a new crisis in health coverage. Five to 10 million more people will be uninsured next year. And a winning story that's about much more than football. There's a lot of things that I do I'm not proud of and, and, and I would probably redo. These kids in this building are not one of them. Soledad O'Brien, welcome to Matter of Fact. The nation's focus is on the election, but America continues to confront the greatest healthcare crisis of our lifetime, the COVID-19 pandemic. For proof, just take a look at Wisconsin. According to the state's health department, new cases are up by more than 500% in recent months. In fact, there are enough positive cases to fill the Milwaukee Brewers baseball stadium, Miller Park. If positive cases keep piling up at this rate, health officials warn that hospitals will run out of ICU beds in a matter of weeks. Correspondent Jessica Gomez and photojournalist Scott Curdy have been following one ER doctor and his family from the Milwaukee area since the beginning of the pandemic. Here's a look at their journey. Today, I have declared a public health emergency to address the outbreak of COVID-19 in the state of Wisconsin. Now to the governor's safer at home order. It starts in just a few hours. This is all really just an effort to try and flatten that curve, stop the spread of the coronavirus. All right, guys, I'm gonna head to work. This has consumed almost every minute of our days. I'm Bill Lieber and I'm an emergency room physician. Based upon what I'm hearing from other physicians around the country, we're just at, at the beginning. Right now I'm headed into work. Going to work is just a little more tense and, you know, I don't anticipate that I would be one that would get extremely ill, but you just never know. So I just finished up my shift and uh, I tell you, it was exhausting. Partway through the shift, I started to not really feel so great. He just told me he was so tired and he had a headache and this cough was persisting and he just wanted to sleep. Okay, I, I woke him up an hour later and his fever had gone up to 101. He was really showing symptoms. Right, I don't feel very good. good. I don't feel very good. I want to go. Packed his bags and he left right away to go over to the house that we had set up for this exact instance. So test results came back and? Okay. My kids, I, I don't know how much they understand. Um, my eight-year-old started crying and said, I don't want you to have coronavirus. So she's really worried about me. Thanks for bringing me stuff. Thanks, Ellie. 
Now it's just headache, fatigue, but still not short of breath, so that's good. This is probably not the right time to tell you that I have an inkling of a fever. Oh no, you've probably got it also. I'm feeling really tired, I'm run down. I'm scared, you know, I have like a lot of fears about my husband and myself and my kids. I'm now seven days out. I've been without fever. My symptoms are improving, ready to go home. I'm worried about Deb. A safer at home protest. Wisconsin Supreme Court today struck down the state's stay at home order. It looks like the social distancing and the precautions we're taking are working. We haven't been overwhelmed with uh, COVID, but you know, that can change and that could change quickly. It's kind of stressful because we're still cutting back on shifts and I mean, our volume's down, which means, you know, income is down. It's really hard to be in isolation. You know, the kids are struggling. Last night we had just a complete meltdown. Governor Evers declared a new public health emergency and ordered people age five and up to wear face masks in enclosed public spaces. We definitely felt a pressure as a family to, to minimize our social contact and adhering to health recommendations. Back when COVID first hit in spring, the healthcare people and the, the people making the decisions on policy and whatnot, I think were generally well listened to and, and respected. Now that people are more comfortable with the situation, they've been living their lives all summer. Um, a lot of people have had it and recovered. They're just more comfortable living with COVID. The CDC, the White House, and the New York Times are all ranking Wisconsin among one of the worst states in the country for case numbers. The situation seven months later is that cases are rising now. They continue to climb and more and more people are getting infected. Good job. It feels like we're at a tipping point and at any minute we could become overwhelmed if we don't do something to slow this down. Oh, like if they're talking? We had no idea that seven months later we would still be in this holding pattern, not having any idea when it's gonna end. Who's up? Me? We, as a family, have spent more time together than we've ever had, and that's been so great for us. But the worry that constantly hangs over our head, if our neighbors or relatives will be getting sick, that's something that weighs heavily on us every day. I'm so proud of him and his colleagues for working so hard day in, day out. Every day they are thinking about what they have to do to keep themselves, their patients, and the community safe. Seven months later, what seemed really cumbersome and difficult at the beginning of all this has now become second nature. And we're more prepared now than ever before. The, the story is yet to be written on this. We're still writing this book and I hope that it has a good ending.
next on Matter of Fact, when COVID-19 hits home. I got COVID, my father got COVID, my mother. A very personal account. Plus, the job market is ailing, but there may be relief in sight for the uninsured. Open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act begins. And later, the remarkable story of St. Francis Academy. What makes them a winning football team on and off the field? We're using the game of football. We're batting a thousand right now. Welcome back to Matter of Fact. Some officials say the U.S. is about to see a second wave from the COVID virus, but the U.S. isn't alone. Several European countries are starting to lock down again in anticipation of the cold winter months. With 1.2 million people already dead from coronavirus, we wanted to hear from the people who were left behind, the ones who couldn't hold their loved one's hand or give them one more hug or even say goodbye. Okay, come through here. My name's Elizabeth Martinez. I'm 36 years old. I am currently a cleaner. You see a lot of African-American, Hispanic doing maintenance. We have to risk ourselves so other people feel comfortable. I got COVID. My father got COVID. My mother also got COVID. My brother got COVID. And my other sister got COVID. Like six people in my family. My father, he was in the hospital for like almost three weeks and then he passed away April 16. I lost everything. I lost the breadwinner for my family. I lost my protector. I lost a big part of me. He made sure my kids were okay. He was my babysitter. He was, he was everything to me. I think people have to learn that to don't take life for granted. In my community, people have lost jobs. My, my brother is laid off. We're in the United States. This is the richest country, but then once again, it's the highs in corona death. We need more guidance through correct information. We have to wear masks and we have to protect ourselves in order to protect the people that we love. So how are you doing? According to a recent Kaiser Family Foundation study, nearly half of all American adults say COVID-19 is affecting their mental health. I recently spoke about the emerging mental health care crisis with Dr. Vail Wright. She's a senior director for healthcare innovation with the American Psychological Association. Watch our interview at matteroffact.tv. Coming up. Hey, Panthers on three. One, two, three. Panthers. From underdog to undefeated, the high school football team defying the odds is now headed to the silver screen. And later. I don't like a seesaw that doesn't move. Is this our new normal? A social distance bench? It's been two years since we first brought you the story of the high school football team in Baltimore, Maryland, beating the odds. This month, HBO will feature St. Francis Academy's football team in a docu-series called The Cost of Winning. The predominantly black Catholic high school is in one of Baltimore's poorest neighborhoods. The team made headlines after being dropped from its private school league two years ago for being so good that no one in the league wanted to play them. But that wasn't the end of their story, thanks in part to their wealthy and generous coach. Here's correspondent Jessica Gomez with a look at how it all started. Let's go, boy. Friday night high school football in Baltimore. 
For the St. Francis Academy Panthers, it's the second to last game of an undefeated season. First play of the game, I want to go up top. Their head coach, Biff Poggi. In just two short seasons, he's built a powerhouse team, ranked among the top 10 best in the nation. Hey, Panthers on three, one, two, three. Panthers. The students enter this building with amazing crosses on their shoulder. St. Francis Academy, a majority black Catholic high school in the heart of one of Baltimore's roughest neighborhoods. For the school and many of the kids who come here, survival is a day-to-day -day challenge. Most of our students at 3 o'clock when the academic day ends don't want to go home. They don't have the stability at the home. That's why 10 years ago, Coach Poggi, also a wealthy hedge fund manager, offered to start a football program here, even while coaching at a rival private school. He had already been paying the tuition for many students here and others throughout the city. I didn't think that the zip code you were born in or the genetic pool you were born in should determine whether you get a decent education or not. Spent some dough trying to do that. Since coming to St. Francis, Poggi has spent even more, beefing up the coaching staff on his own dime and paying the tuition for up to 60 players every year, not to mention supplementing teacher salaries, hiring tutors, even paying for summer school. For the kids on his team who live too far away or just can't go home, he's footing the bill for row houses. Freshman Derek Moore knows his Baltimore neighborhood isn't the place for him anymore. All my friends right now that I grew up with, they're, they're basically kind of selling drugs. So I know I probably would have went down that path with them. Yeah. And there's CJ Burton. He's number four. How old he was when he lost his mom. He now has a 3.7 grade point average. He says bad grades aren't an option for Coach Poggi. He definitely gets on you if you're messing up especially like grade-wise, oh, he'll snap. Last season, Poggi's first year, the Panthers not only trounced every team in their private school league, the Maryland Interscholastic Athletic Association, but every senior on the team went on to college. Then, over the summer, one by one, teams in the MIAA announced they wouldn't play St. Francis, citing competitive disparity, the number of players recruited from out of state, their size and safety concerns. When you heard what was happening within the MIAA, what went through your mind? I thought they were kidding at first. Like, how can you do this to our kids? Did you not think about them at all? A team full of talent with no one to play them. Everybody was like, why would they do that? And then, like, the disappointment was like, they really messed up our season. At six foot eight and 320 pounds, soft-spoken Michael Stedham took it personally. I feel bad because you can't really control how big you are or how small you are. It's just all about the heart. When asked for evidence that there were more injuries when playing us than playing any other team, no one could produce anything. While coaches scrambled to find independent teams to play this season, some came as far away as Canada. Few games have been competitive. The love for the game, baby, the love for the game. And on that Friday night, that second to last game of this season, more bad news. It's 9.30, we've been here since 6 o'clock, waiting for a team of players. Only half of the opposing team, all the way from Ohio, got off the bus. They said they're not coming off the bus. Well, for what? They, they don't want to get hurt. Look at me. We cannot worry about this nonsense. 
This is utter and sheer nonsense. I am so angry and upset. We have the best football team probably in the history of the state of Maryland, and these kids are relegated to this. Father God, you are doing something special. It's God's plan. We know he has a beautiful one set for us, so we just have to keep to it. You know, it's hard, but you know, your faith can never waver. Faith that this is just one more chapter in their story that's not over yet. There's so much life out there for them now. As I tell our coaches, you know, we might be coaching the next cure for cancer. We might be coaching the next great geneticist. We might be coaching the next great legal scholar. Who knows? These kids have been buried. Who knows now what's here? In Jesus' name we pray. And they all say, Amen. Amen. And they all say, Amen. Amen. And they all say, Amen. Amen. In Baltimore, Maryland, for matter of fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. Last season, the Panthers were ranked third in the nation. The team's season has been delayed, of course, until the spring because of the pandemic. The documentary, The Cost of Winning, premieres on HBO on November 10th. Ahead on Matter of Fact, ensuring you're insured for 2021. This could be a crucial time for many. What you need to know about open enrollment and later social and safe the innovative designs emerging during the pandemic. It's been a big week with lots to keep track of. So now to our weekly feature we like to call We're Paying Attention, even if you're too busy. Starting this weekend, annual open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act begins. Now, this could be a crucial time for many. Anywhere from 5 to 10 million more people will be uninsured next year, and that means about 8% of the population won't be protected in a health emergency. More commonly known as Obamacare, the taxpayer-subsidized health coverage allows you to hop on a health insurance marketplace and then select a plan that best protects you and your family. So here are some quick facts you might want to know if you are considering signing up. This enrollment season, premiums are coming down a little bit for next year, which is welcome news, especially after the tough economic year of 2020. Plus, some middle class and lower income families might be eligible for a tax credit, which could bring those premiums down even more. Open enrollment lasts through December 15th. Still ahead on Matter of Fact, get social. From a distance, a closer look at this innovative design, next. Finally, the global pandemic has people looking at everything differently when it comes to safety, from dining tents to socially distanced blankets, and now to benches. Pretty soon, you might see a corona crisis crook in your local park. Object Design, it's a Dutch company, came up with the concept to bring people together while still keeping them apart. The bench only seats two people on either end, and in between is a long pole, kind of like a seesaw that doesn't move. Plus, there's a handle in the middle for easy transportation. But before you hop on, you should know that the bench isn't ready for American audiences yet because the distance between the seats is a little under the recommended six feet for social distancing. That's it for this edition of Matter of Fact. I'm Soledad O'Brien, and I'll see you back here next week.